We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Man, I'm so excited that you are tuning in for this Sunday, the first Sunday of 2023. It's going to be an amazing opportunity to dive into what God's Word says for you in 2023. My name is Emma Adams and I am the lead pastor of Hope Church. We meet right here in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Middle School every Sunday. We would love to have you there. I don't know about you, but 2022 mm, could have been better. There were some things that maybe weren't so great. So I just want to share with you a couple of things that your 2022 might have looked like mine. Here is the first one. Yeah, I don't know if your 2022 was like this. It's a mullet, y'all. Was it a little bit of a business up front and then a party in the back? Or were you walking backwards and it was a little bit of a party that turned into business? I don't know what your 2022 like, but I am sick of this trend. I'm going to pray personally that in 2023 there would be a mullet-free year, okay? In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to cross that one on this one. Or maybe, maybe your 2022 looked like this when you try to enjoy life for a second and you do and you lean down to smell the flowers and find yourself face planting into the flowers like this little girl. That's a wreck. That stinks. Or, or, maybe, or maybe this is your 2022 and you look like this guy from Friends when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. I don't know about you, uh, but I'm glad that uh, somebody will be there for me when it hasn't been my day, my week, or my month, or even my year. Wherever you find yourself in 2023, I want to talk to you today about what your 2023 could be like, what it could be like. In a year's time, a lot can happen. And in 2022, we experienced the deep, deep loss of a Hope Church partner and friend, Jared. We experienced great joy, and we celebrated so many firsts. It was our first Easter uh, as a church. It was our first baptisms as a church. And we also saw our children, Alfie and I, get jobs and a girlfriend. What the heck is that even about? That's weird, right? And then we welcomed in babies and engagements, and everything has been uh, just crazy. It's been up and down, and we've wrestled through sicknesses and loss. And like you, there was laughter and tears and questions. So much can happen in one year. And maybe your 2022 sounds a bit like ours, full of transitions and surprises and laughter and tears. Maybe it was a time of darkness and loss for you. Man, we experienced that deeply when we lost Jared. And, and maybe you felt like you could not just get one foot in front of the other. I was just talking to a friend the other day. She says, I feel like for every uh, step I take forward, I take two back. I said, baby, you're still making progress, okay? 
Hey, we all come to a point in our years, especially in challenging times, when we have to make a decision about how we respond. Often, we face complicated situations that don't make sense and that could change the chorus we had set our sails for, and we stand in the place of decision. And in those moments, we survey the past and often use that to base our current choices on. I mean, after all, what more can we base our present decision but our past experiences? What will we do in 2023 when we are faced with moments of decision. What will we do this year when we survey the pain of our past experiences and we have to make choices on how we respond to the challenges that are coming against us? One temptation in moments of decision is to become extremely inwardly focused. I mean, frequently, when we realize that there's a crisis or a change or these periods of uncertainty come, it can feel very easy for us to become so focused on ourselves to the exclusion of everyone around us. We kind of go into our crisis bubble, if you will. And you can lose focus on the thousand-foot view, the, the big picture, and just focus on you and your life. You say things like, uh, how is this going to change my routine? Or what about my life? What about my needs? How will I cope with this crisis? Who will love me if they leave me? Where will I work if they let me go? You get the point, right? When times of pressing come in, it can feel very tempting to really narrow our scope and focus to just us. And we go from looking at the map of our community to getting out the magnifying glass and only and solely focusing on our dot on the map. And I think if we're all being honest, we could remember times in 2022 when we had to just wait and see where something was going. We were maybe faced with a crisis in one form or another or a choice that would shift our course. And maybe you've been in limbo. I don't know about you, but I don't like times where I feel like I'm in limbo, like I'm, I'm not quite where I thought I would be, and, and I'm not where I was, but I'm just kind of in this period of waiting. Man, I don't like that waiting period, and you might be there. You may have experienced that, and hey, you might be there in 2023. You see, my 2022 all started out okay. We were moving forward to minister in Hope Church, and we had the high school at that time, and our family business was doing well. Our children were thriving in their school, and then there came the phone call that I will never, ever forget for my life. Man, that was a dark day. And what happened in the days after that were even darker. It was hard to comprehend the loss of our friend and bass player. He was a big part of our lives. And we were met with some of the hardest conversation we ever had to have. Worse, there was nothing we could do but just pray and trust God with what was happening. And I remember very clearly not being able to cope and falling into Alfie's arms and I can tell you that my faith was hanging by a thread. 
I was questioning everything. The crisis was crushing me. And I felt like all I could do was hold on to that one thread in my faith. Have you been there, man? Have you ever experienced this feeling of just barely hanging on? You see, if you didn't, <laughs> you will. Trust me. It's going to happen and it might happen in 2023. So what do we do? What do we do when we feel like our lives are under siege and we are faced with moments of decision? Do we examine our past and make our decisions solely on those experiences? Or do we listen to our Twitter and Facebook feed? Please don't, right? Uh, what our culture is telling us is right. Should we look inside? Mm. I think we can examine the example of an unlikely couple in the Bible and derive some strategies for responding to moments of decision in 2023 from what transpired with them. So please join me in reading this amazing account. First, I want to give you a little history lesson, okay? The Israelites are out of Egypt, and they're ready to put down roots in the promised land, but they've got this culture that God has asked them to overthrow and destroy. You see, they're not compliant with God's covenant. As a matter of fact, they're pretty bad. God asked to destroy a culture that was killing its babies, that was worshiping other gods, that was doing detestable practices of prostitution in the name of God, and so many other despicable things. Yet, God had a plan to replace them with some good news. And so we have these Canaanite people that, that God had said, hey, you got you to gotta get rid of this. We can't have this infiltrating my people. And so the Canaanites have a stronghold in a city called Jericho. Now, that sounds familiar, right? Jericho. Um, and this is a walled city. It's large. And what you need to know about the Canaanites is that they, um, they have known about God and been invited into a relationship with God, but knowingly and willfully rejected God. You got to understand that first up, because you're going to be offended for the Canaanites. Oh, they didn't know. No, they knew. They knew, and they had turned their back on God because they would rather be, they would rather follow their own inward guide and the practices that had kept them happy instead of God. Don Stewart, great theologian, writes, the Canaanites were morally depraved and beyond salvation. Morally depraved and beyond salvation. And they were not either innocent nor ignorant. They had rejected God. They knew the history of God's salvation of the Israelites. And it is believed that these are the people that Paul is referencing when he says this in Romans 1, 21 through 25. He writes, For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Fools, therefore God gave them over to sinful desires in their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. 
and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You see, the Canaanites worshipped a pantheon that included Baal and Asherah, and they had temples to them where they would practice these rituals that included fornication to appease these gods with shrine prostitutes. That's messed up, y'all. I don't care where you're from. That's jacked. That's messed up. And they were not able to change this. They knew the truth, but they didn't take hold of it. And so we have the city of Jericho. And here's where we pick the story up. Then Joshua, this is Moses' successor, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from him to go look at the land. He said, especially look at Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So a little more insight here. Rahab is said to be a harlot. Now, there was a couple of possibilities here. Either she was a shrine prostitute, which was actually an honorable profession for the Canaanites. Remember, we covered that. Or she could have simply been a prostitute without any honor. That happens. Um, so Josephus is a historian that we have his records from that time period. And so he posits that she was actually an innkeeper and her house was the inn where travelers would get food and shelter. Another angle is that the harlot in the original Hebrew also simply meant she was an idolater or somebody who whored themselves out to other gods. So whether, whether she was a prostitute or an innkeeper or a shrine, shrine priestess or just a non-Israelite woman, we have this person and her, her year is getting flipped. She is about to step into a crisis, a serious crisis. These two young Israeli men show up at her house, whether they were there because they stopped in there for travel because she was innkeeper, whether they just was like, yo, we need a place to bob for a second because these fools is after us in the city. Whatever it is, they show up at Rahab's house. And everybody knows, <laughs> if you need some information, um, especially those of you who are geeks like me, from the sci-fi fantasy genre, if you go to a city, you're on a quest and you go to a city, if you need information, you go to the inn. You go to the inn. And so these Israelites go into the inn and we have two, Salmon and Phineas. It's important for you to remember there's Sal Salmon and Phineas, not the fish, the guy. Okay, Salmon and Phineas. And they're checking it out and they're going to report back to the Israelites, to Joshua, but they meet up with Rahab. And this is what happens next. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Man, that's messed up. Rahab is faced with a choice. So here in this moment of decision, entrenched in a culture where she has built her life, she is about to face dire consequences if it is found out that she is covering for these two Israeli men in her inn. And the choice is between everything she's ever known in her life, right? All that she's been taught, all that she's been raised to do in this Israelite culture, the comfort of home, 
the comfort of all of that, uh, the comfort of a pantheon of gods, of livelihood, or the word of two young men and what she barely knew about the one true God and what he did in Egypt. And so in her moment of decision, this is the choice that she decided to make. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the man came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went, but if you go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. She had secretly taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on her roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So here, she chose to put her faith in the word of two Israeli men that God was who he said he was. Uh, God was going to take care of her. And I believe for her that this was one step forward in the faith to God. Her saying, I'm going to hide these guys. There's something here that I didn't know was here before. I'm going to trust this. I believe this was her very first moment of decision. And her moment of decision, faced with a trial, she said, okay, this looks bleak, but I am going to trust that the God who put Egypt to shame and saved Salmon and Phineas to come into this land, I'm going to put my faith in that God and maybe... Maybe, maybe this will work out. But before she let them go, she wanted to know that she'd put her faith in the right God. So she said this to them. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She started with what she knew. She knew that the Lord had given them the land and that her people's time had come to an end. And she admitted that she was afraid. And in those uh, times uh, and in that city, everybody was jacked up over the news. But she recited what God had already done. I know that God had freed the Israelites. I know that God is going to make a way here. I know he is the God of heaven and he is the God of earth. And she might not have understood all the spiritual things about this, but when we look at this, we see that she goes, I, this is what I do know. I'm going to recite what I know. And the king and this city are already gods. This is her conclusion. So this is what she says to these men. She says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. So she's, look, I need a promise 
She let the truth of God, who God is, determine her viewpoint. And it's only, uh, not only for herself. She doesn't just focus on save me. She says, save my whole entire family. She asks for all of her, her, all of her family and all who belong to them. Their servants, their children, their relatives. <laughs> In the end, she's like, also, yo, <laughs> this is my livelihood. So she pleaded for them as well. So, so Salmon and Phineas respond this way. They said, our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully. And when the Lord gives us this land. So when she had their promise, she gave them more wisdom for their safety. She said, so let down, uh, so she let them down by the rope, it says, through a window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. And she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, unless when we enter the land, you have tied this red scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own hands and we will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we are released from this oath that you made us swear. So I want to find this particular instruction a fascinating look into what binds this very small story in the history of the world to us. Because I'm sure at this point you're like, what the heck? What does this have to do with me? You see, they asked her to show her faith by placing a red scarlet cord in her window. When God was in the midst of delivering the Israelites from captivity, he asked them to place red, the blood of the lamb, on their doorposts so that so that on their windows and, and the doors as a sign of their faith in his saving grace. The same is here. We see this reflected now this woman being asked to put her faith and hang it out the window as a red thread, a promise of salvation. And here's what she replies and what happens next. Agreed, she said, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all the road and returned without finding them. And then two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord had surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The longest times we face in our lives will be in the moments of decision when we are faced with trying, tying our faith, our very lives on the word of God. Rahab had to wait. She had to keep that red cord out of her window in hopes that her faith would save not only her life, but the lives of her family all around her. In times when we find our lives hanging in the balance and crises arise, 
We have choices that we can make that can make the difference not only for our lives, but for those around us and those for whom we've not even met. The truth is that we all have a part in a very large story. There's a story happening and continuing that's happened throughout the ages. And there are generations that are coming after us. And what you do in 2023 is going to matter to those people that are coming after us. For your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren, for people you will never even know, your choice now matters. And where you place your faith matters the most. Listen, if I had lived my life based on the experiences of 2022, I would have given up hope. I would have quit. I would have laid it down. I would have believed that there was nothing good. But I had my faith in God. And I would have given up on the church. And I would have given up on the precious people that God has placed in my life and called me to minister, and I would have based my faith in my fear and not on who God is. Rahab's story shows us that when we are faced with the hardest and most difficult times in our lives, that we can respond with these sure practices, and we're going to return to peace. And life on our, uh, on our end is going to get so much better. But we're going to have to make decisions. When our life is hanging by a thread, we've got to place our faith in the one and only. So first, I want to give you this. The first thing you can do when, like Rahab, you're faced with a decision, you're going to recite what you know is true about God. Recite what you know is true about God. Go back to what he's done. Go back to what his word says. Remember, this is what she saw. He is a God of what we can see. He has our very lives in his hands. All the material world, all that's real, all the molecules, all the atoms are his. They are his creation. The world is in his hands. That little song that we were taught when we were kids, he's got the whole world in his hand. Yes. Recite that. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Man, that is where you need to go back to in times of crisis, in times of decision. Go back and recite what is true about God. He is the God of what we can see. He is the God of the present, but he's also the God of the future. He is the God who is well aware of what is coming for us in 2023. And he knows what we cannot see. So recite that. Recite that he is good. Recite that there is no shadow of turning with him. He is light and there is nothing but good that comes when we put our trust in him. Recite that he is love. That there is, love is not punishment. It is an unconditional, gracious act. And pure love comes from God alone. Next, like Rahab, we can place our faith in his word and follow. Whatever he leads us to do, wherever he leads us in 2023, we can place our scarlet thread out of the window. We display our faith when we trust in his promises. We cannot trust in words that we don't read or understand, so that's why it's important to listen to the message he sends. Listen 
read the words of the Bible and the messages of the messengers that he sent over time. Not just to know them, but study them to know what they mean and what those promises mean to you. Man, open the book. Read the word of God. But then study it. Great resources exist out there like blueletterbible.org and biblestudytools.com. There is no reason for you to be ignorant on what the word of God says and what it means for you. The tools are out there. Practice it. Finally, when you're faced with challenges, ask God through regular prayer to give you eyes, not only for yourself, but for those around you. Your kids will be impacted. But ask God to give you eyes for your father and your mother and your sister and your brother, for your in-laws and your co-workers and employees and for your children and their children. Ask God to give you help so that you could have eyes for your city. God, give me the eyes for my city. Give me a heart for my county. Help me to get out of my selfish existence and get in on what you're doing. God, give me eyes to see. A long time ago, I used to listen to uh, Paul Harvey. I don't know if anybody remembers Paul Harvey anymore, but he used to have a radio show. And at this radio show, he had a segment that I think also appeared in print through Reader's Digest called The Rest of the Story. He would say, and now you know the rest of the story. Something like that. So, you know, I told you the story of Rahab because she looked to God when her life and the lives of her family were hanging by a thread. And she has one of those rest of the story kind of endings. This is what it says in Joshua 6, 22 through 25. It says, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, all those belong to her, in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and her sister, and all who belonged to her. And they brought out her entire family and put them in the place outside of the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into a treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she had hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Like, wow. That's amazing. Her faith saved her. But there's more. You see, as Josephus points out in the history of the Israelite people, not only did they save Rahab, but she was given honor and respect and an inheritance in the land that they had just taken. You know, Salmon, the guy that she hit on the roof, that guy, the spy who came to her inn, they got married. He was like, hey, girl. Hey, girl, hey. Right? And she was like, hey, I remember you. So they get married. But that's not the rest of the story. 
We can read the rest of the story dotted throughout the greatest story ever told in the Bible. Check this out. In 1 Chronicles 2, 11 through 15, it says, Nashon was the father of Salmon. Yep, that Salmon. And Salmon was the father of Boaz. Okay, Boaz, the father of Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of Eliab, his firstborn. The second son was Abinadab. The third, Shimea. The sixth, Ozim. And the seventh, David. Y'all know King David. King David. All right, so Boaz, that's what I call my husband. I call him Z for short sometimes because he loves me like Boaz. Loved Ruth and cared for her. And Ruth and Boaz's love story is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. But Rahab's story doesn't end with her grandson, Obed. No, it continues down to the man after God's own heart, King David. And then we read this in Matthew 1, 15 through 17. Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Methan, Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, and 14 generations from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. You see, the rest of the story for Rahab is that she was part of the lineage of the protector and earthly father of the salvation for all mankind, Jesus Christ. Her scarlet thread that she hung became the scarlet blood that streamed down the brow and the hands and the side of a Savior that hung on a cross that would give his greatest gift for all of the world so that you and I could have a relationship with God and be reconciled. That scarlet cord represented so much for you. And that, that is the rest of the story. You know what's fascinating? Like Rahab, somebody hung a scarlet thread of faith for me. Somebody demonstrated their faith in God and how he had rescued them. And I saw it and I got caught up and I gave my life to Jesus. And I let my faith be on display and I let God reorient my life. And I became changed. And I hung my faith like a scarlet thread. And my husband saw it. And said, if God can do that for you, then I know he can do it for me. And now we hang that scarlet thread for our children. And we teach them all about Jesus. And we tell them that their salvation is real. And God is real. And he really wants to be with them and save their lives. And I have people who I've introduced to God. All because of the faith of Rahab. Isn't that crazy to me? It's crazy to you. You've got to understand that God is calling you to hang your faith for somebody else. It's not just about you anymore. So who's going to see your scarlet thread in 2023? Who in your moments of decision is watching you? Whose life is going to be forever changed by an encounter with the true God because you did not let go of your faith this year?
It matters. Your faith is important. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity for the first year of 2023 to be your best year. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, today is the day. I'm going to say a prayer in just a few minutes. If you want to connect to God this morning, if you want to say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, we're going to pray together. And you could just pray this prayer right where you are. I would love to connect with you if you pray this prayer. Pray something like this. Jesus, I believe that you died so I can have a relationship with God. I know that you died and shed your blood for me so that I could be free from sin. I accept and believe. Jesus, would you come and make my life brand new? I'm hanging by a thread and I need you. Amen. If you prayed something like that this morning, I just want to invite you to connect with us so that we can put resources in your hands that are going to help you on your journey with Jesus. We're all on this journey together, and we believe that it's better together. So you can text, uh, that's me to 94,000, and we'll get those resources into your hand via text today. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I followed at one point. But now I find myself walking away from God and I've walked away from my faith. But something you've said, something about Rahab's story is touching me and I want to come back to God. Man, he's here for you. He's never left. He's just been waiting for you. If you want to reconnect with God this morning, I want to invite you to do that today. Pray with me something like, God, I walked away, but I want to come back. And I'm coming back to you today. I know that Jesus died for me and I followed, but I've gotten distracted and I need your help. But God, today I'm going to recommit my life to you. I want to come home. Thank you for letting me come back. Help me to put my faith on display for others. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you're saying, I'm back to God today, would you text, I'm back with no punctuation to 94,000. We would love to connect and get resources to you. Man, next week is going to be amazing. And I hope that you will come back and be with us as we connect next week. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening.